Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in? Or without clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I assure you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. Whenever I see someone standing by the side of the road holding a sign, I think, what if that was Jesus? Would I really do nothing? I carry socks, toothpaste, and brushes, deodorant, and pass them out to whomever I can. I always ask their name and if I can pray for them. I've even had to pull over right then and there because they wanted to pray. That is the best. Thank you, Jesus. So Jesus, we pray that you would take this time, that you would use my words, that you would speak to us, Holy Spirit, in this place. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. I want to welcome those of you who are watching us online. It's good to have you with us this morning. Uh, I love what Chris had to say, like to the place where she has to pull over and actually pray with them. That's the best. You know, thank you, Jesus. Now, that passage that she read is part of a bigger passage uh, from Jesus' last sermon. It's his sermon about the uh, last things. And in that, he talks about the separation of the sheep from the goats. And I'd like to start by reading that larger passage, and then uh, we'll go from there this morning. So uh, here's the, the larger passage she read from. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left and then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in, and I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And then he will say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. 
Well, there's a lot going on in that passage, and I hope uh, during this time we can make some sense of it. Uh, so I just want to start with this. So a few summers ago, Ryan Beatty, who is our Director of Faith and Work here at Bell Press, he preached a sermon about the power of community. And in that sermon, he told you about what a big summer I had had. Like he, he mentioned the fact that my oldest daughter had just got married, my son had just graduated from high school, was about to move away to California to go to college. My daughter, who's a modern worship associate here, she uh, was finishing up at Wazoo, go Cougs, like to get that plug in whenever. Ryan said, all these big milestones were very, very difficult for a man my age. His words, not mine. So he asked you all right in the middle of the sermon to get out your phones and email me a message of encouragement. His vision was all of you suddenly filling my inbox, causing my phone to vibrate and chirp all day over and over and over again. Thank you, Ryan. Well, uh, the next day I came to work and there were over uh, nearly 200 emails in my inbox. One guy wrote, good morning, blame Ryan. <laughs> Another guy wrote, I can't wait to see you get Ryan back. A third email read, only one more wedding left and four years of college tuition. Yeah, not encouraging. Or uh, then I, I read other emails. Uh, thanks for your passionate leadership. We enjoy your sermons and your service here at Bell Press. Thanks for being a great pastor and being part of this great community that is Bell Press. Thank you for your commitment to the world on behalf of our Lord Jesus. Here's my favorite, written by a guy I'm pretty sure was napping when Ryan gave out the assignment. He says, does our church have a motorcycle small group? <laughs> well, I don't know. And um, I, in fact, if if you do want to know the answer to that or an answer to any other deep question, you can email rbd at bellpress.org. <laughs> Nothing would be better than filling his inbox and causing his phone to vibrate and chirp all day long. Well, all that aside, I want to tell you that those emails actually meant a lot to me. Like, I, I still have them. I, I keep them in a notebook. Uh, because the truth is that when all those emails came in, uh, I was in this crummy place, like I was thinking a lot about my kids and my family. I was wondering if I'd done enough, given enough, said enough, modeled the right things, or were my kids just going to need therapy for the rest of their lives to fix what I'd messed up? Ever had thoughts like that? So those emails, they, they really meant a lot to me, uh, and uh, I, I just thought that was really cool. But as, os oft as awesome as those emails were, what meant the most to me was that there were people in this church that wanted to encourage me, were paying attention, that uh, did something to, to really help me, that something I really needed, because they cared about me. And the Bible says a lot about caring for people, helping and serving other people, and the Bible tells us why we do that. The Bible calls it love. And the Bible itself is a love story. Many of you know this, that the God, it's a story about the God who created this world and everyone in it so that we could experience God's goodness and so that we could be in a close personal relationship with Him. And in return, the people back then, they rejected His love and they rebelled against Him. But God doesn't give up. He never gives up. 
And so the Bible tells us he sent a man, Abraham, and then a nation, Israel, and then a Savior, Jesus, and finally the church, you and me, to rescue and to win back everything that God lost at the fall. The end of the story in the book of Revelation is that God finally wins, and love wins, and we win too. So throughout his ministry, Jesus taught about and demonstrated this radical love of God. And that's why prostitutes and drunks and people who lived on the margins were always just kind of hanging around with Jesus because his love totally changes people. His love is loyal. He will never leave us when we, even though we leave him. His love is unconditional. We don't have to clean up our act before he will start loving us. He loves us just the way we are. His love is sacrificial. Jesus gave his life for us on the cross so that we could be forgiven and set free from guilt and shame. And when this radical, loyal, unconditional, sacrificial love really gets a hold of us, man, that changes us too. Like, we start loving people with the same love that Jesus has for us. Now, Bob Goff is one of the most adventurous and out-of-the-box guys I have ever met. Uh, he uh, used to own an old red Jeep, and he says that that Jeep was the best teacher he ever had. Like, it was all jacked up. He had these big tires, a big roll bar on it. It was really cool. And one day, Bob was driving through this intersection when a car came out of nowhere and hit him in the side. Well, Bob wasn't wearing a seatbelt, so the force of the impact literally launched him out of his, you know, through the roof out onto the street. The next thing he knew, he was getting up. His Jeep had rolled over several times, was all bashed up, kind of beaten pretty badly, but he was fine. He just had a few bumps and bruises. So uh, he walked over to the other car where the woman who had hit him was still gripping her steering wheel. She's just staring straight ahead. So Bob uh, stuck his hand out, said hi, and introduced himself. And then he asked if she was okay. Well, she kind of stuttered a few words, and then she gathered herself and said, young man, do you realize that you just flew through the roof of your car? To which he responded, I can't lie, like that was the coolest thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> and, and then he said, can we do it again next week? We'll meet right here in the intersection. Well, they talked a little more, they exchanged some information, uh, and then he left. A few days later, he got a call, and there was this long silence. And then he heard, I'm so sorry. It was this woman. So uh, he he, like he, he tried to convince her that he was fine and he was doing okay. Um, but then a few days later, he got another call, and it was the same woman. They ended up having the same conversation. It was then that he realized that she was having a hard time forgiving herself like he'd already forgiven her. So do you know what he did? He ordered this big bouquet of flowers... And he sent it to her home with a big note on it, letting her know that he'd forgiven her and encouraging her to forgive herself. That's love. And that's what love does. It helped her let go of her guilt. And she stopped calling him, by the way. Well, not long after that, the insurance company uh, notified Bob that they weren't going to pay to fix his Jeep. The cost of repairing the Jeep was more than the Jeep itself was worth. Well, rather than running out and getting a whole new car, Bob just got his Jeep back. 
He was in terrible shape, like the Jeep jerked to the left every time he stepped on the brake, leaked oil all over the driveway, you know. But he said that that made, it, made him love his Jeep, like his Jeep, even more. Because he said this Jeep, as crazy as it sounds, became this metaphor for what it's like to follow Jesus. To have something so crazy happen that it flips our lives upside down. It totally changes us. We look and we act differently and start leaking Jesus wherever we are. All that leaking leaves a mark, like the oil in his driveway. It leaves a mark on the people and the places wherever we go. That's a lot to learn from a car, right? Like when was the last time you sat around just sort of looking at your car? Teach me, speak to me, talk to me, you know. But Bob got that from his car, and I think that's pretty awesome. We leak Jesus and his love, leaving a mark wherever we go. Now that helps us understand this passage about the sheep and the goats. Jesus is telling us that he will come again. And he will come as the glorious King of kings and Lord of lords over all people and over all nations. And when that happens, there will be an ultimate and final victory. God will make right what has gone wrong with this world. Sin and death will be destroyed forever. Now God's love for this world and Jesus' love that changes us, our love for others, that love is the tipping point of this passage. Because Jesus is saying some people get it and some people don't get it. Like followers of Jesus get it. Their lives get flipped upside down. Jesus makes us different people, so we leak Jesus and his love wherever we go. That is why the sheep in this passage, they end up uh, feeding the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, uh, caring for the sick, because that's what love does. But people who reject Jesus, they don't get it. That's why the goats in this passage can ignore the people around them, like they have never been transformed by Jesus and his love. So this passage about the sheep and the goats, it's telling us that love changes stuff. It changes us. It changes the people around us. And this love, it's not an intellectual idea that we can talk to other people about. It's not, a, it's not like a, something that we can study in our Bibles or cross-reference. It's not an emotion that we showed other people only so long as we have a certain feeling called love. This love is an action. It's a verb. Love does stuff. It's passionate and bold. Love never gives up. Love doesn't hold back. It has to be free. Can't help it. Now, uh, I want to show you Dinkus McGank. Dinkus is homeless, and he lives around Fremont. He is in a wheelchair most of the time because of a logging accident that left him with a degenerative disc condition. Now, Dinkus has a great sense of humor. He's a bit of a philosopher, so he has something to say about everything. Like, everybody is the same. We're all human, and it's okay. It's good to be human, and I like it. Or, like, if you're not making one person smile a day, what are you doing? Dinkus has influenced the homeless throughout the Fremont community, and he's influenced those who serve the homeless. So this organization called Homeless for Seattle, they've put Dinkus on a t-shirt. It says, think like Dink. 
Isn't that great? Now they are selling this shirt to raise money to serve the homeless. Homeless in Seattle, the organization that uh, put Dink on the, on the shirt, Homeless in Seattle was started when an architect named Rex began saying hello to some homeless folks like Dinkus. That led to some deeper conversations, and he began to learn about their lives. Soon Rex was getting involved, and he was doing stuff. He found a way for a homeless painter to show and to sell some of his art. He helped a homeless man get reunited with his family who lives clear across the country in Pittsburgh. And now Rex is telling their stories. He's posting pictures on Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram. He's doing whatever he can to serve the homeless and more importantly, to break the negative stereotypes that exist around them. Now, one story that Rex tells is about a homeless man who was in bad shape and a police officer who came to help him. The police officer told this man, we will do, I will do whatever I can to help you. And the homeless guy looked at the officer and said, Officer, I, I don't need your help. I need your love. Well, that moment was impactful for Rex. And it was, it was moments like that that caused him to quit his job and to start this organization called Homeless in Seattle. And now Rex devotes himself full-time to the homeless and to loving them in ways that are changing their lives. Now the people, the people who make the biggest difference in this world, they're not the people with the greatest credentials or the most money or the best or what they do or the smartest. The people who make the biggest difference in this world are the ones who love others enough to actually do something about it. Those are the people Jesus commends in our passage. They're people just like you and me, just regular folks who loved other people enough to do stuff for them. Love is the antidote for the sickness of this world because it changes people more than anything, more than education, more than political reform, more than, uh, more than financial aid. Love, love changes people. So how can we love others, and how can we leak Jesus to the people around us? I want to just mention three ways real quick, uh, and that's exactly what they're going to be real quick. The first is this, to pray. Prayer connects us to the heart of God, and it shows us what God wants to do. Prayer has the power to change things, like it changes other people, it changes uh, the circumstances we're in, it changes us, it gives us faith and confidence to act. I think that's really important because, to be honest, this passage can be overwhelming, can't it? Like, there are so many people, and there is so much need. But check this out. Jesus shows us it's not how many we help that matters. It's the one. Verse 40 says, what you did for, say this with me, one, one of these you did for me. So pray this prayer. God, show me who needs your love today and show me how I can help them. Second, notice. Notice the people around you. Like we live in this busy world. We're running from one thing to the next. Life can feel like we're stuck on a treadmill sometimes, right? Well, noticing people is a skill that we can all develop. But it means looking at people differently, and it means paying attention to what's going on with them. That teacher, that neighbor you're carpooling with, the checker at the grocery store, that retired couple 
or retired person that lives down the street. Who is God putting in your life, and what is God asking you to do? Third, do what you can with what you have. Now, have you guys already had the blue box this morning? That happened? I, I love that story that Jane told in the blue box because um, for, for a couple of reasons. One is that when Jesus asked the disciples to do this, like they don't want to do it, which I can relate to. A lot of times I don't want to do it. I, I don't want to do this that we're talking about this morning sometimes. Um, but the main reason I like the story is that the disciples don't have any food when Jesus tells them to feed the 5,000. Like, they got nothing. So they have to find this boy who gives them his lunch that has some bread and some food in it, some uh, fish in it. Jesus blesses that, hands that back to the disciples, and it's as they are passing that out that the miracle begins. Now, they don't need to have everything that uh, they have, you know, they don't, they don't have everything they need to do this thing. And they don't, they don't have to solve the miracle. Jesus just invites them to do what they can with what they have. And then to trust Jesus for the miracle. So pray, notice the people around you, and do what you can with what you have. Now, I met a guy named Dan last year at a conference for Christian leaders. And Dan told us how he and some friends were totally changing their neighborhood. Like, it all started when Dan asked God to show him someone who needed Jesus' love. And then he noticed one of his neighbors who seemed kind of down. So Dan asked him about what was going on. This neighbor told him that he was the manager of a mobile home park, and the homes in the mobile home park were totally run down. The people who lived in those homes couldn't afford to pay for the repairs, and the folks who owned the park couldn't afford that either. So this neighbor felt pretty bad because he, he couldn't do anything to help them. Now, when Dan heard this story and what was hurting his neighbor, Dan decided to help. So he recruited some volunteers, and they organized a work day to fix everything that was broken. Can you say Jubilee Day? Like they stained decks, they painted walls, they patched roofing, and installed new plumbing. They raised all the money for the work, and they got it all done in one day. Now, one of the coolest things that happened actually happened after the workday. Some of the volunteers came up to Dan, and they asked him, what are we going to do next? Like, when are we going to do this again? Well, one thing led to another, and they uh, ended up starting an organization called the Neighborhood Rehab Project. You can find them online at beatool.com. When you check out their website, you can be a tool, you can donate a tool, you can tell them, I need a tool. Now, it all started when Dan prayed that prayer, God, show me someone to love. And then Dan noticed a neighbor who seemed kind of down, so Dan asked him about it. And then Dan did what he could with what he had. He recruited some friends, raised some money, and organized a workday to get everything done. He is leaking Jesus and his love all over the place. He has a great friendship with his neighbor, and his crew is changing the neighborhood. Dan's life is bigger, and it is better, because that's also what love does. Like, when we love like that, it changes us. See, the call to care for the least was a main theme throughout Jesus' ministry. What is unique about this passage in Matthew 25 is that Jesus tells us what we do for them we're doing for him. 
Like Jesus is the people who are hungry or thirsty or sick or hungry. But Jesus didn't mean that we're only to love them, that they're the only ones who need our love. Because love has no limits. Love helps the hungry and the sick, but love also embraces the person going through a divorce or the one who's grieving the death of someone special to them or someone who's lost their job or someone who just feels stuck in life. Love reaches out to all of them. And here's the thing. When we reach out and love people like that, this passage is telling us we're standing on holy ground. And in that holy place, Jesus gives us joy, makes our lives deeper and more significant. Jesus makes us different people and our love deeper. He rescues us from all the value we place on earning more, making more, getting more, becoming more. Jesus teaches us to love again, to serve again, to be generous again. And for that reason, we need the ones Jesus invites us to love more than they need us. So who is God showing you to love today? And what have you been noticing about them? And what can you do with what you have? So Jesus, we want to thank you for this amazing, radical love. You gave up all heaven in order to come here to show us the love of the Father and then to set us free from guilt and shame and sin and the stuff that's just broken in our lives so that we could be in relationship with you, not as perfect people, but just as we are. And so would you continue to change us? And would you help us to love others? Just fill us with that love. Give us adventure. Give us joy. Show us who you'd like us to love. Help us to notice them. Help us to do what we can with what we have. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in your name.